Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that enables your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Live from Manchester, the Excess Manchester Football Social. Call 0345 and have your say. Winning with Gowing Law. Evening, this is Forever Blue. I'm Ian Cheeseman. This is Excess Manchester 106.1 FM. Thanks very much for joining us. This is the home of Manchester City on a Tuesday between 6 and 7. And uh, tonight we've got a, a slightly different looking show because most of the time I have somebody like Paul Lake or Paul Dickoff sat with me and uh, they weren't available today. So I was uh, <laughs> looking desperately around. No, that's not true. I thought what we'd do tonight slightly differently is, is have a debate among City fans. So I have handpicked. So don't, oh yeah, you will blame me now because I've handpicked them and I said that, haven't I? I've handpicked five city voices, city fans to come and talk about lots of things, but mainly because we're in the middle of an international break at the moment and there hasn't been a game recently. Rather than just focus on the football, which we sometimes do. I'd like to talk a little bit about the off-field relationship between the club and the fans because on social media, it might be the same for you, a lot of people contact me and talk about whether the club's going in the right direction off the field or rather the wrong direction, whether the relationship's as good as it, it was, it's better than it was. I am, I'm just going to ask the questions tonight rather than particularly offer an opinion, but I have some people here who I consider to be voices of a certain level of expertise. Let me, without further ado, it, let them introduce themselves. So I'm starting with the gentleman on my right, and I'd also, just for the purposes of the listeners thinking, well, you know, I want to know what sort of age groups they are, I wanted to include your age in your description. So do you want to start, Kevin? Uh, yeah, Kevin Reluctantly. Parker. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for that. Kevin Parker, General Secretary of the uh, Supporters Clubs. Um, unbelievably, I'm 57 years of age, Ian. Can you believe that? I can't believe that. No, I can't believe you. Somebody <laughs> said to me, you don't look 57. You did five years ago. <laughs> and next up? Yeah, uh, I'm Harlan. Uh, I'm 24. Uh, I've been a City fan since 1993, since I was uh, brought into... Uh, Right into the world, so uh, so yeah, I'm uh, really passionate. Um, lots of city, even City fans say like Gary Neville and sound like Liam Gallagher, so I'll take that. Um, but yeah, I've got a season card. Um, I've been going to City for as long as I can remember. 
and uh, I had all the club uh, with all my heart. So yeah, we have a female representative. Uh, I'm Emily Robin, and I write for King of the Kipax. I'm on the City Watch podcast as well with Ian um, fortnightly, and I am 36 next month. And Dave Wallace. Uh, editor, co-editor of King of the Kipaks, uh, which has now been going for 30 years, and I'm uh, 74. Wow. <laughs> 74 years young, you're supposed to say, Dave. And? I'm Andy Savage. I'm, 20, I'm 47 years of age, and I've been a City fan for about, well, it feels like 70 years. And you run a, a, a Facebook page, don't you? Yeah, my Facebook group is MCFC9320 Group. Find that on Facebook. So there we are. That, that's established the credentials of people. And what I want to start, first of all, to talk about is King of the Kipax. And uh, the 250th edition of King of the Kipax came out just recently. And I know that, Dave, you've got the 30th anniversary in terms of years of running the, the whole um, fanzine uh, coming up later this year. So you're a good point to start with, actually, because you've seen all the changes. You reported through the changes. The fanzine may have even changed. I don't know. But what what was the reason? I, I mean, I've got in my own mind as to why fanzines themselves started and why you started. But from your perspective, why why did you start King of the Kipax? Well, at that time, in, in 88, um, football was probably at its lowest ebb. We'd had a lot of hooliganism. We'd had Heisel. We'd had um, the, the fan at Birmingham got killed when a wall collapsed on him. And... Uh, there were no, there were no magazines for the up-to-date football fan to to be able to contribute to. We had Match and Shoot, which were like kids' magazines. You couldn't go into a doctor's surgery and read anything up-to-date about football and modern. Um, and and you were getting programs like Question Time, where idiots were pontificating about the situation in football how all the hooligans should have been made to join the army and stuff like that. Most of them were ex-army, as it happened. Not those on question time, but most of the hooligans. Yeah. They were either ex-army or scaffolders and that. And, you know, Ken Bates wanted to uh, electrify supporters who tried to get on the pitch with electric fences. Bernard, Bernard Alford, bless him, wanted to birch them. And the hooligan element was such a minor part of football um, the, the the main thing about football fans in those days, particularly at City, was the humour. And so fanzines started up to reflect how the ordinary football fan watched the game and got involved with the game. And that's really how fanzines began in the uh, in the late mid-80s. I think City Gent was the first one for Bradford City, and I think they're still going. And uh, it started off, when we started, there were about 40 fanzines, and that that escalated to about 300 at the peak and we had general fanzines like off the ball when saturday comes which is still going and they they were the yardstick really for football fans were they in any way or was your particularly your uh, your fanzine in any way a rebellion against the official documentations like the program the club had a magazine at one time or was it just that you wanted a fan's voice we just wanted to give city fans a voice and uh Luckily enough, you know, my wife was a cartoonist and, uh, you know, I like to write about City. I'd had all sorts published in the press and uh, I'd done marketry plaques that presented to players. I was blue, the Blue Santa, the first Blue Santa for about 20 years. Um, so I'd also sent a lot of stuff to 
the local radio, Piccadilly Radio it was then, uh, James H. Reeve, uh, Fred, and th they were all very well received. So I, I already had a dossier of stuff that was available for the fanzine, so I just kicked it off from there. I did contribute to another fanzine at first, um, but uh, decided to do, do our own, and King of the Capats came about at that time. Has the fanzine changed during those 250 editions? Yeah, it's it's a lot more professional now, I think. Um, the contributions are brilliant. We've had some great contributions in this last issue. We, we have a, we're unusual for a fanzine that we've probably got more female influence with Emily and Sue and everything than a lot of other fanzines have. So uh, that calms me down a bit when I'm being too vitriolic, I'm told. So, uh, <laughs> you know, Sue is, Sue is the co-editor and she cuts a lot of stuff out that I put in, mainly about you-know-who because there's lots of material there to go out. I'm assuming that you're, you're a millionaire, <laughs> that the, the two of you have made an absolute <laughs> fortune out of these 30 years of, of running the fanzine. <laughs> well, if I'd have been doing a part-time job instead of doing the fanzine, I maybe would have been a millionaire because the, the time that goes into it is we, we usually start on a Monday now when we get contributions. That goes right through for a fortnight and uh, it's very powerful stuff. Lots of editing goes into it and uh, it's, uh, it's a big... Uh, Big situation, really, but better now that I'm retired. Was murder when I was working. You know, I'd, I'd have to go to meetings uh, in London on a Monday morning when I'd not finished the fanzine and get back at ten o'clock at night and carry on till four o'clock in the morning to get it out. I don't know how I did it now, but obviously I'm a lot older now and I was pretty old when I started. So, you know, it was uh, it was tough, but it's always been, you know, wonderful doing the fanzine. You know, when it's finished, I want to chuck it down the toilet. Then I can't wait to get it back from the printers on a Friday. And, uh, you know, it just starts again from there with the outlets and subscribers and everything. What's so, been the highlight for is, is there is there something that's either been in the fanzine or something that's happened as a result of the fanzine where you think, well, I'll never forget that, that that's just the, the, the piece de resistance or something? Um, there's been a few things that I've regretted, obviously. Um, I think one of, one of the highlights was... Um, when when I was fan on the board, I managed to persuade uh, Bernard and the chairman at that time to uh, change the game from Saturday against Liverpool to the Good Friday against Liverpool because the Liverpool uh, team wanted to be present at uh, the Hillsborough Memorial. One of my dis dis big disappointments, which is good for real access, is that I tried to get the club to come out to Thunderstruck by ACDC and uh, they turned it down. They didn't think it was appropriate. Since then, it's been played at every major stadium in the world. You know, even when we went to Juventus, they played it there. And instead of instead of fans singing Thunder, we could have been singing City. We could have been the first to do it. So that daft though it sounds, that was one of my big disappointments. But I think we've been we've been able to give fans a voice and get in touch with the club by doing that. And I think we've we've kept City's name going through the bad times, as as did the supporters' clubs and Oasis have helped as well because the bad times were really grim, I'm sure some of the others and Kevin will uh, go along with that. And somehow the, the spirit of City fans, the fanzines, not just KK but other fanzines as well, and the supporters' clubs like Presswich and Whitefield and uh, that's just, just, just kept the club going. As I say, Oasis, with the credibility, helped City fans keep going, knowing that you know, guys like that supported the Blues and it was pretty credible. 
Emily, you're a regular contributor. You, you write a column in the in the fanzine. What does it mean to you? And what is your experience of of Dave and his wife Sue, who basically are the king of the kipax? They're the heart and soul for me. Um, yeah, always <laughs> rubbing up that. Place. Um, it just start, for, for me. I started writing for them in high school and. The, the confidence it gave me, I just sent a couple of articles in on the off chance. I was 15 years old and I couldn't believe that Dave and Sue published my work. I was like, wow. And, and for somebody looking for a career at that point, it was so inspiring. Um, it, it, it just, it means the world to me and, and to be writing for them now as well in, in a very different time in City's history. Sometimes I can't believe the words that I'm writing down as we all agree in the room, the football that we're getting to watch at the moment, we just never could have dreamt it in at our football club. Um, but actually writing those words and then seeing them published in the most amazing fanzine is just, it's just, it means a lot to me. And you have the freedom presumably to write whatever you want. Yeah, and I don't believe that people read it. <laughs> I write like nobody reads it and maybe that's a bad thing because... I just wear my heart on my sleeve, sometimes too much, I think. Um, I wrote recently about, and I spoke recently a lot about um, people being judgmental about other fans and how often they go to games and how they behave as a fan. Um, and that provoked such a strong response. And to me, a lot of it was positive. But the fanzine side of it, a few people wrote in with the other side of it and, and saying, like, kind of bashing me a little bit. So that was quite interesting because you are—you have to remember what you what you write goes out there and it sticks. So you know it's quite interesting and it's thought provoking in a way. But the, the the people who write for the fanzine are so talented. There's such a talented pool of writers who contribute all the time, like Burfield and Concanon and Petrie, Sean Riley. It's yeah. just a remarkable bunch and. They are top-notch fans as well. I presume the other three of you um, have either read King of the Kipax or know King of the Kipax well. Yeah. Um, well uh, Kevin, I mean, it, 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 uh, where does it stand for you? Is it an important... I mean, you're, you're right at the centre of supporter dumb. Is the King of the Kipax central to that as well? Well, I think for me, just forgetting my supporters club role as a moment, I think my thing about Dave uh, and King of the Kipax is it's, it's almost part of your away game experience. You go to an away game and you almost feel as if, oh, we're here now, you know, because you can see Dave stood there <laughs> selling his King of the Kipax. And you either just say, hello, Dave, or you stop and have a chat. And actually, on the, there are the odd occasion where you think, I've not seen Dave today, you know, and, the, and, and that's why King of the Kipax and Dave is the norm and it's part of the thing. And, and Dave skipped by part of uh, one of the important things that he mentioned there as well, of course, is that... Dave was voted onto the board for a period of time by the fans. And, yeah. you know, that, that that point should never be overlooked, that, that the fans themselves had the opportunity when, um, in hindsight, you know, the, the club were probably not doing it for the right reasons. But um, Dave himself absolutely wanted to be there to represent the fans, to, 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 to put the view yeah. of the supporters forward. And I can't remember how many candidates there were, three or four, I think, at the time. But Dave won that by majority, and that that was great. You know, it's something that 
probably wouldn't ever happen again. Certainly won't happen at this club because no. the way that are you the nearest? I mean, as the rep, as the general secretary of the supporters club, I guess you're the nearest that there is to fan representation within the club because presumably you have a regular dialogue with them and you, you speak on behalf of the fans a lot. So are, well, you feel as if you're. Like I don't like to think I speak on behalf of the fans because that gets you in trouble. I think you know you ha you have to have <laughs> your own personal view. And some people take that as a view of the supporters club. You know, we have over 20,000 fans around the world now. And um, I probably can't speak 94 of the languages of the branches that speak. So I can't speak on behalf of them. But And there is a danger, though, sometimes that when you give an opinion like, like today or if you're on the television and or the radio elsewhere, that fans think you're speaking on behalf of them. I always stress that I'm not. It's my own personal opinion that I give. But, yeah, there is, there is an element, that of, though, of course that I do have to try and do what I think is the right thing for the members of the supporters club. But do, I also... do the club ever come to you and, and, and say, listen, you're closer to the fans than probably anybody else we know. What do you think we should do here or what would you do there? Or Yeah, you... there are some times, I think, when the club, the club comes to me about something that, that maybe... In the past, the club have come to me, you know, not speak, speaking out of turn here, when there were things maybe that were going to hit the press and the club have come and said, listen, X, Y, Z from a particular newspaper is going to ring you tomorrow about this, so they give me a heads up. And listen, I've always tried to play the role that when I'm speaking to, uh, uh, on behalf of the supporters club in those occasions, I'll always try and defend the club of, uh, as well. You know, I'm more into George or than World War. You never get anything out of any football club if you're constantly criticising them. But the club, I think, you know, are very good these days. Um, I, I think the reality is we've got 20,000 members. We've got 230 branches worldwide. But in the whole scope of things, that's probably quite a small number these days. But the club are very good. The club are active in trying to help us spread the, the word of the supporters club around the world. They do come to us and they do ask us our view on things. But at one time they would... Pro and I'm not critical of this. I'm actually in favour of this. At one time the, the club would probably just come and just ask the supporters club their opinion on things. And then they'd go out to the press and say, well, we've spoken to the fans and the fans... <laughs> they don't do that exclusively with us these days and actually I'm quite in favour of that we've got the supporters club, we've got the 1894 group, there are other groups at the City View and you know the, um, the, there are other maybe 9320 I don't know whether the, the, the club any dialogue but the club are, are keener now to get the views of lots of different fans they have these questionnaires that they send out which sometimes are, are not targeted right particularly but actually, I think the club are, are much better in getting a broader view. Sometimes when you ask too many people, of course, you will select the answers that you want as being representative of the fans. Maybe that's the danger. Um, but just going back to Dave's point, you know, that uh, about being on the board, you know, that will never happen again at, at, at this club. And, and you can understand the way that it's set up, but that, that should never be overlooked either. You know, I know, I know it was difficult for you at times as well. Oh, very it, difficult. Yeah, yeah. Um, a few, I know in the past, not speaking out soon, you, some of the things that were said to you across that. that yeah, that, well, and it was a time, 94, 95, I think it was, and we never signed a player or sold a player, you know. And uh, and then, then having been promised, well, not promised, but hinted at uh, Franz Beckenbauer being our manager, we got Alan Ball, you know, and that 
just about killed it because I had a few... Th the club didn't consult with me on that, uh, which uh, I thought was a bit naughty. They didn't guide me in the right way and I said a few things about that appointment and virtually that killed the fan on the board because I was told that I was there to represent the board and I told uh, the chairman at the time, no, I was there to represent the fans and the fans weren't very thrilled with that appointment. So that was the end of fan on the board, which was a shame. Well, let's continue this uh, this discussion in a moment. We've, got, we've obviously not even spoke to two of you yet, but we're going to broaden it out and talk about the, the club now a lot more. Uh, but first of all, we'll just take this quick break. Live from Manchester, the Excess Manchester Football Social. Call 0345 111 and have your say. Winning with Gowing Law. Yeah, Excess Manchester 106.1 FM with sport football every night, 6 till 7, but principally on a Tuesday night, Forever Blue with me, Ian Cheeseman. Uh, I'm back again tomorrow night, actually, with Joe and Steve Shenyeski, and we're looking at the world of football in general. But tonight, it's all about Manchester City. I have uh, five Blues here in the studio who are uh, generally people who a lot of fans will know, some won't. Dave Wallace from King of the Kipax, Emily, who's a contributor, Harlan, who is a, a big fan, who's a youngster as well, so he gives us a, a nice balance. We've got uh, Andy Savage from 9320 Facebook group and Kevin Parker, who's the General Secretary of Supporters Club. I'm Ian Cheeseman, and we're going to continue to talk about City now. And I know Emily, while we're in the break there, wanted to make a point about the start of King of the Kipax and one of the reasons why, why it started, um, which Dave outlined some of his reasons, but there's another one that you thought of. Well, I, what I um, think is quite interesting about King of the Kipax is that at the time it was probably the, one of the only platforms for fans to voice their opinions because nowadays you can go on social media, you've got Facebook, Twitter, you've got fans forums all over the internet and um, you can write whatever you like and I know for a fact that the club read it as well um, but at the time in the, the 90s it was the only place really where you could really voice a strong opinion and I, it'd be quite interesting to know if, if King of the Kipax faced any kind of backlash for that um, but yeah, it's nowadays you can put it out wherever you like, all over the internet. But there, it was quite a niche thing. I suppose football phone-ins and King of the Kipaks were uh, yeah. the only things you could go on, weren't they? Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, with everything else that's going on, and it's fantastic. There's so much interest in um, Manchester City that, uh, and it, it's always been like that. But I mean, now you've got so many other outlets that it's. It's marvellous, and most of it, most of the people that do contribute do get on all the other forums and everything like that. So we pretty well know between us all what's going on, and uh, obviously it's affected sales. So I think we've just about bottomed out at the moment. We've uh, got a steady run of uh, regulars, and uh, you know we're keeping our head above water, and so we're quite happy with that. Well, we're pleased you exist, and long may you continue. I mean, Andy, obviously, is one of the... You could argue you're in... What you do is the new generation because a lot of what you centre around is on social media, it is on Facebook. You have a very active social media group as well. Uh, and do you administrate that, or do you just let people say basically what they want? Uh, if so, it's very well run. There's no swearing or anything like that. It's a, it's a family-friendly forum, Facebook group. But all the ideas... like. Just was saying, Dave, earlier, like, I've grown up with King of the Kipax, you know, when, when I first came in here tonight, Dave actually said, I, I'm Dave Wallace, and it's like he needed introducing. I've been reading his stuff since I was two foot, not much bigger now, 
But the <laughs> a lot of the ideas what, what have come through from King of the Kipax are still going through because some of the older members of Facebook group and some of the Twitter and stuff like that, the ideas have come through from King of the Kipax and it was unique. And what Emily said is it's bang on the money. It was the social network of the day. And Dave said he's still got a you know steady follower, steady following, but he, he will always have that. And I know for a fact my my son who's just turned twenty, he still he still reads it. You know, I think it's important for the older generation, like like most of us, to not just focus on the stuff what's in in the media and stuff like that, and through social media, but to look back as well at what some of the stuff back in the day, what was in these. Uh, you know, the kings of the Kipax and stuff like that. You obviously um, have a connection to the club as well. I asked Kevin before about whether he ever gets asked anything. I know that, so I'm sort of already know the answer to this in a way, but occasionally the club will ask you, won't they, to go and, you know, things like sample sample stuff or have a look at something because they want the fans to, to spread the word, don't they, when new things come along. Yeah, to, to, be, to be fair, they do. And touch on what Kevin said earlier, it's, they don't just go to... The supporters club now they, they go to various I should, dare I say established whether it's Facebook groups uh, people on Twitter who are you know respectable on Twitter this it's the scope now they do they do consult everybody and get their feedback what they think you know how it if it came out in the media how it would how it would be received etc so yeah that's one good positive thing about the club it's not just one, one mindset they're going to do it they do actually sound out you know various spectrums of the city supporters in, including overseas not just in the uk now we've got harlan here who's, who's the youngest member of this panel and you're i'm assuming you're not in the supporters club you're not in any facebook groups or correct me if i'm wrong no i am i'm in a i'm in a few facebook groups um there's a facebook manchester city fans group that i was in well i said that i that I was in that i am in i've been in that for about two and a half years now um and a lot of the stuff that that gets put in there obviously there's some expletive views and stuff like that as well and it's a pretty it's, it's obviously not like yours where um you can't swear there's no real saying you can or you can't um people just do swear in there and a lot of the opinions that get um put in that group are quite hardcore if that's the right word to use they're quite hard hitting um i wouldn't always say they're very well kind of considered before they post them. It's just kind of write and post. They mustn't look through what they put on there before they actually post it, and some of it can be misinterpreted or interpreted how it is written, and some of it's pretty um, pretty wrong. And I never like to comment on there, because what you do is I think when you comment on something that isn't tasteful, you somewhat put yourself out there for criticism, and then you get jumped on, um, and... That's the same in a lot of the city groups, even the Premier League banter groups that I'm in and stuff like that. I only post stuff that I think is is meaningful, factual, um, and, and and valid opinions. I never post anything that will get a negative reaction from people because I already anticipate that that may happen um, before I post it. Um, but yeah, I'm in a few groups. Some of the groups I'm in, some fantastic people in there, Ian. Um, lots of fantastic opinions, uh, diehard City fans. Uh, great views, um, and a lot of the stuff that, that gets put in them groups after matches and stuff, um, it's more um, more analysis of the actual game, um, opinions of, of what maybe Pep could have done at certain times in the game. And that group, 
you know, I've always been a passionate city fan anyway. I've always been a, um, a confident lad. But from being in them groups and, and conversing with them uh, other fans, um, it's allowed me to kind of gain more confidence. And that's why I do what I do on your vlogs the way I do it. Um, I kind of analyse the game as I'm watching it. And like I said to you on the when we spoke off air, um, I somewhat soak it all up like a sponge and then drain myself out after the game. So it, it, it's, it's just, I'm not meaning to soak that up. I just get everything in my head, come out, and then I don't spiel it to you. I kind of organise it in my head and then tell you how I thought the game went. Well, obviously, you're coming from a slightly different place, and no disrespect to, to, to everybody else, but you look at it from a, from a youth perspective as well. Uh, you've got no agenda. Not that I've got any agenda either, or any of us have really, but you have no agenda um, that I see a lot on social media of debate about the club's losing touch with its supporters or, or yes, we, we love this and we think they're doing this really well. I see both sides of, of this debate. So let's start with you, but I want all of you to contribute to this, really. You know, what do you, do you think that, that everything's fine? I mean, let, we're not talking about on the field. Obviously, the team are doing brilliantly, going to win the league, possibly win the Champions yeah. League. It couldn't be better on the field, let's be honest. Yeah. But, but fans talk about players living in the bubble, millionaires not being touchable, uh, and that the, the, the club is losing touch with supporters. I don't know whether that's true or not because I'm in a different world and, and to a certain extent, perhaps Kevin is because, you know, you, you mingle with different people. Dave obviously has a very long existence with the club. Maybe Andy and Emily have a slightly different perspective, though Emily worked for the club for a while as well, which I know can slightly compromise what she can say tonight. But but nevertheless, from a young person's yeah. point of view, do you think, no, no, this is absolutely <clears throat> fine. You know, the relationship is fine. Everything's great. Or are there things that you would like to improve? Are there things you're proud of? Are there things you don't like? Well, how do you see the relationship? Um, basically, and obviously, I, I, I kind of, I, I am on Instagram, and that is the way that you can, I follow a lot of footballers on there, footballers from all clubs. Um, it, 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 would it be fair to say I'm football obsessed? Uh, even at 24, I'm absolutely obsessed with football. I'm, I'm not ashamed to say that on air or off air. Um, that is the time to be obsessed. Well, that's it, at 24, yeah. Well, I'm, I, I, I'm still know. 24 inside. <laughs> <laughs> you still look 24. Thank you. Um, no, that's... I mean that. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, I follow a lot of footballers. Um, I follow Phil Forden, uh, Brahim Diaz, two players that I mentioned on your vlogs, Bernardo Silva, uh, basically every City player. I follow them on Instagram. Um, and I think that what I want to say is that that's the closest we can get to the players nowadays, Instagram and, and, and players that are on Facebook. They're not really on Facebook. It, it, they run by um, run by representatives. So Instagram is actually, you know, Raheem Sterling pinching people's noses on an aeroplane. Where else would you see that? You couldn't be there on the plane with them. So it's great to see that um, on there, but you just kind of look at it and like, it's as if you want to you wanna kind of be there and experience it with them and you'd never get that close anymore. Um, City TV is fantastic. Um, because that obviously allows us to... And Inside City that's been going now for, I think it's like near on eight years now, um, you really get to see behind the scenes um, of the club. Um, on tours, obviously you've been on a few yourself. Um, I watch them in training every time that it's on. Um, you wouldn't get that otherwise because you wouldn't be allowed into training now. I mean, my girlfriend Jess, her auntie uh, Janice, she used to be able to go and stand outside Platt Lane. She'd skip school. She'd go and walk outside... Um, Outside Platt Lane, her dad obviously wouldn't know that she was off school for the day and she'd stand outside Platt Lane, watch the players train for an hour and a half and then get autographs afterwards. And it is pretty upsetting that even in my lifetime, I've seen that 
the club has moved on and you know rightfully so and and and, and we're so glad about that um but i just feel as if like i can now walk up to sean gota and shake his hand at a match and say hey sean now back in 2002-3 when i watched city intensely when i really started to grasp what football meant to me as a nine-year-old eight-year-old boy um he was one of my heroes sean gota nicholas and elka uh, Nicholas Jensen, Darren Huckabee was my favourite player just because he had blonde streaks and I had blonde streaks as a kid. Um, but they were my heroes and now I can shake hands with Sean whenever I want and say hello and and he's he's really polite and I've seen him on your vlogs and everything else and he's such a great guy. In 20 years' time or in 10 years' time, I know for a fact I won't be able to go and shake Sergio Aguero's hand without close protection. And Sean doesn't have close protection because football has moved on. And because of idiotic fans, and there is there are still hooligans out there that that, that 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 zip the courts up and still come to games now, people that are City fans that will try and spoil um, something so wonderful, and that's why we can't get close to the players anymore. Um, but in terms of where I feel uh, the fans are um, with regards to, 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 to the connection with the club, I do feel pretty distanced from the club now, and I do feel as if we go to the games, and then once the game's over... That's where the, the connection kind of ends for us, fans that haven't got stronger connections with the club. Um, and the only way we can connect, or the only way we can voice our opinion now, and especially for me, is because of the platform that you've offered us with your with your new vlog. And without that, my opinions would be in my head and they wouldn't be on YouTube. Can I just come in here, Ian, and say that <clears throat> we do send the fans into the club with uh, every issue and I try and highlight certain issues. And my big problem with the club at the moment is you know and everything's wonderful on the field so should we be complaining about things but um this, uh, from being fan on the board i developed i persuaded the club that we should have a points of blue situation where fans from all the different uh, outlets could come together and the club should could only need to have one uh one group to deal with with within reason because you've still got spin-offs from that and that worked well for quite a number of years. But at the moment, uh, we have meetings, we get lots of input, and we're just getting a written response from the club, which really isn't good enough because, you know, you need to be face-to-face. -face, and I think the club's lost that. And we've, we've had things this season that have been... Last season, we had the uh, the club reckon that it would be a good idea to walk the supporters' club, supporters to games, right round the Etihad for, because it worked uh, at pop concerts. Well, it didn't work at pop concerts because I went to one and um, it took me an hour and a half to get 20 yards from where I'd parked to the Alan Turing Way. And after a, after a few attempts at that, the club had to abandon it. If they'd have spoken to the fans before that, I don't think that would have come into, into action. This season, we had a restriction on the size of bags to take into the ground and um, the size of the bag that they picked on smaller than the standard bag in the souvenir shop uh, sorry megastore so that was uh, a bit daft um and then we then we have the situation where the oa fans now have to go through the uh the car park which is good it's for security reasons but no one's thought it through properly and where i stand at ashton neuro lights it's total confusion every game because nobody knows where to go and i actually did a cardboard sign last time with pointing to where the, the fans should go and where they shouldn't go. And it worked a treat until a City fan tore it down because he objected to having to walk around <laughs> to Commonwealth Way to get to the East Stand. So 
you know, these are little daft things that are, you know, annoying supporters. And I think it wouldn't take much for the, the club to uh, not just respond in writing to points of blue when you need a debate on certain things, but to actually have a forum and let, let fans have the say with people from the club who are in position. I've spoken to people at the, the high end of the club and I think they agree that a points of blue forum, you know, every three months or something like that, would be a good idea, but it's not actually happened yet. In, we've got 15 minutes to go, and what I'm going to do after the next break is I'm just going to sit back and I'm just going to listen to these five. Um, so um, you're warned. Anyway, coming up after this. Live from Manchester, the Excess Manchester Football Social. Call 0345 7625 and have your say. Winning with Gowing Law. I'm Ian Cheeseman. This is Forever Blue on Excess Manchester, which is 106.1 FM. We're here each and every Tuesday between 6 and 7. If you missed part of the show or you know somebody who you think might want to listen to it who hasn't been able to listen to it, it will be downloadable as a podcast. I personally tweet out the link. Excess Manchester do that as well. It'll be on my Forever Blue Ian Cheeseman Facebook page and I share that around as well. So there is another way to listen to it and you might hear points from some of the people in the room here tonight that you agree with or you disagree with, uh, you know, feel free to join the debate. Uh, we have Andy from the 9320 group. We have Dave Wallace from King of the Kipax. Emily is a, a writer in the, in that and also a podcaster, um, co-contributor like I am. Harlan, who's a 24-year-old City fan who contributes to my vlog that I do. And, of course, Kevin Parker from the official supporters club. Now, we've, we've only got about 10 or 15 minutes to go here now, so I feel like I just need to let you loose because we've been talking about things off air. Uh, it, I don't. I don't want to talk, frankly. I just want to listen to what you've got to say. What are the things that that you care about that you've been telling me about that you want to express? Um, we've just been having a little bit of a conversation about and something that is um, on Twitter today: um, loyalty points and the fact that the Liverpool away Champions League game. Um, I think it sold out at seventeen thousand loyalty points, but. Fans have been online on third-party sites and they're posting screenshots that they can buy a ticket for the Liverpool away game in the city section for about £300. And you can put about 10 tickets in your basket. So if you've got the money, you can go. So we're kind of sat here and, and Kevin's just made an excellent point that people may not be aware of. What's your excellent point, Kevin? That. Well, th thanks for saying it's an excellent <laughs> point. I, I think my, I mean, I agree that loyalty points actually can work against the younger supporter, like Harlan there. How's he ever going to get enough loyalty points to move up the system? Although the loyalty point system can work if the person who's applying for the ticket genuinely is the person who's going to use the ticket for the game. But we know, as City fans, that you can go and get a ticket for any game and then pass it on to your mate and your mate can use the the, the ticket for the game and you've got the loyalty points and, and he's been paid. What the supporter who's using the ticket doesn't really realise is that he's never going to get his loyalty points up the system. And going back to your point about and I've seen that website as well today, which is very frustrating, where for the away game in the Champions League at Anfield, you can buy tickets on a ticketing site at £300 each. And I think the example shown was you could buy a multiple of 10. That's not really the club's fault. The, the disappointing thing from my view on that is that's a supporter's fault. A supporter or a group of supporters or a sponsor or a corporate, we don't know which, has managed to get access to tickets and rather than use them 
or even rather than even use them and pass them on at face value to a pal they're trying to make money out of other city supporters sure sure there must be a way though of the club actually tracking who is selling these t- you know the, the club must know where these tickets are the going the club can't track who's selling them but i always advise and we do get these comments coming through to us from from overseas members or even, sometimes you've bumped into people and they tell you at a game I've spent 300 quid for my ticket. I always take a photograph of the ticket, me, and I pass that information back to the club. Mm-hmm. And that's the way that the club can find out who got access to those tickets. The club, every ticket that's sold on the club system is allocated to a supporter. So if you've had to buy a ticket and you paid over the odds, make sure you get in touch with the club and, and make sure you get the seat de- details and send that the cl- to the club. And then the club can check that back and find out who bought that ticket. I did exactly that same thing with tickets that somebody came to me, a, a supporters club member, paid £200 for a ticket for the Derby uh, at Old Trafford in December. And the, the, the details came back to me and I sent them on to the club and I, I know the club dealt with it. Uh, so I, I do have a certain amount of sympathy in the club in that in good faith they are selling tickets to people who are entitled to them, whether they're you're entitled to them as a sponsor or a, a member with loyalty points or a supporters club member, it's that person who then gets it. It's reassuring to know that the club is actually doing something. They will look at it. Yeah. I, I know Lisa, particularly Lisa yeah, Eaton yeah, at the yeah. club, is, is absolutely works her what's-its-off to it, make sure yeah. that they get to the bottom of as many of those as they possibly can. Going back to your point before, Dave, about access and... and, and uh, liaison with the club I feel a little bit uncomfortable as well I have to say from a supporters club point of view is that actually the club have moved the other way with us the dialogue isn't the same in terms of we're not speaking I'm not speaking these days to as much although I do get access to them to Danny Wilson or Vicky Kloss or uh, one or two other people that you're executives just in case people don't know who those are used to be able and I've still got those numbers used to be able to pick up the phone and speak to them and I'm sure I could if I really wanted to but the club have actually employed members of staff now at the football club whose day-to-day job two members of staff Heather and Bastian and their day-to-day role is dealing with me from a supporters club point of view so I just I have a regular meeting with them every afternoon I almost have like a a doctor's surgery every Wednesday afternoon at the club and, and they go off and they speak to all and sundry. So we've been very lucky, I suppose. But And I do, I, do, I do hear and I do know that people are critical of the supporters club and our allocation to tickets. Uh, but people also need to remember, you know, that we have been established since 1949. There were times, uh, particularly during the Peter Swales era, that we were financially helping the club. You know, the supporters club wasn't in financial trouble, but the club was. So we've had a very, very good working relationship with the club over the years. It's not quite the same as it was, but the reality is, even though you don't have that personal contact, it's probably better. But again, I do accept that I'm only, you know, we've only got 20,000 members. Whereas the club's database of fans these days is probably 500,000. A lot of that is global, of course. Um, and I think it can be easy sometimes to point the finger and blame the club for a lot of stuff when actually we need to look at ourselves or our fellow city supporters. On, on, a, on a side note, Kevin, have you heard recently about other clubs, in particular Premier League clubs, charging uh, people to be mascots? And I believe City do that free, free of charge. 
Yeah, City. I, I, there was there was yeah. yeah some City's clubs do charge it, and City silly, don't. They silly offer amounts of money as well. Generally, City offer it to uh, charities who can themselves help raise money or competitions for. I, I still call them junior blues. I don't know what they're called yeah. now, junior <laughs> citizens, or I still refer to them as junior blues. And that is another area, whether you're a, a sponsor or a, a player escort, that you get that free of charge. And I, I know from experience many, many years ago when my kids have done it, that's something that you never, ever forget. I'm still in the queue to be one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why don't they have... Uh... Mascots as senior citizens, that would be a good idea. That's it. Some clubs do that, actually. That's, that's who they're referring yeah. to when they say citizens, isn't it? <laughs> well, I think I act. There's no doubt about it. Ages. The club are doing lots and lots of things that are very good and miles better than what they used to do. But, you know, there are there are a few things that they need to talk to fans about. I've, I've got a point, Ian. Um, sorry, sorry, I've, huh? I've got a point. Um, like, like Kevin was saying, um, people like myself, obviously I'm 24, um, and... You know, I've I've supported City for as long as I can remember. Um, like I said, when I first started to become obsessed with football, I was like eight or nine year old, and it was around the time when Main Road was in its last season. And obviously, Main Road went. Um, I've seen what it looks like now, and it doesn't look half as good as it used to. Put it that way. But um, yeah, um, my loyalty points compared to some fans that I do know personally, that I've got that I'm friends with, are nowhere near. And it's upsetting that City haven't got something in place with regards to Champions League, FA Cup and League Cup finals where you have somewhat like a side um, kind of, um, like a, I don't know what the word is, like a... Like a, I mean, a ballot. Like a, like, 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 no, no, not necessarily. More, more that there's like... Um, they you, cup schemes, though. Yeah, they've got the cup schemes, but more if, if you... There's like a loyalty um, system... That's what I meant. A loyalty system with regards to if you've been to every game during that cut run, you 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 get entered into, or, or you are entitled to apply for a ticket for the final. Um, I, for the I last... thought you were prioritised if you're in the cup schemes. Yeah. You are if you're in the cup schemes. Then... Although although I do accept as well. Going back to your point, actually, if you if you're if you're a if you're a younger supporter, you know, if you're you 70, 80, 90, 20, ticket. it's very yeah. difficult for you to afford to be on the cup schemes as well as paying for your season ticket. True. I actually yeah. think that where we've got allocations of tickets for people with loyalty points and supporters club members and, and sponsors and corporate, maybe we should have a small allocation of tickets that is just allocated to members who are between a certain age, maybe 18 and 24 or however we work that out, and that does go into a ballot. So that mm. then that does mm. guarantee a small number of that group of supporters the opportunity to apply for a ticket, and then once you've got your ticket, you can then start to build up your loyalty points. And I would probably go as far as to say that if you are in that junior group, mm. you get more loyalty points for that ticket because then that helps you catch up Listen, it's it's not your fault that you're 24 no, and I'm 57. It's not, it's not no. your fault that you're 33 <laughs> no. years old. Sure I'll meet you in the middle. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. It's, the thing that upsets me more than anything, uh, Kev, is is that um, there are fans out there that I know personally that go, oh, I can't bother going to the fourth round or I can't bother going to that fifth round game. What's yeah. the point? It's on a cold Tuesday night. And I'm saying, well, you can't bother to go to the final then. That's my view. Like, mm. why would you want to go to the, why go to the final and take the glory of that cup run? Which is which is the cream of the crop at the end of the cup run, when you weren't willing to go and support the team through the cup. Well, I've, I've got to stop you there. I've got to stop you. As much as I'm enjoying this debate, I wish we could carry on for another hour 
All I can want to say to you is thank you for the for the five of you because you've been brilliant contributors. You've been really honest. You've been really open. You've reflected a lot of views. I hope listening, you've enjoyed it as well. Uh, Forever Blue will be back next week. Next up, it's Everton, of course, on Saturday, yep. five thirty kickoff, and then That's all those big games are coming up. See you next week. <laughs> With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.